you know, being a PhD, a previously heavy dude, like one of the reasons I was heavy is I had trigger foods. And some of those were quote unquote healthy foods like yogurt or bananas. Like I could eat as many bananas as you put in front of me, you know, and that's calories, that's sugar that adds up. Those, those are carbs. Uh, the yogurt, I used to get like the little six pack of yogurt and that would be I'd be like, there's one spoonful, there's another spoonful, <laughs> just, just go, you know, I could put them down. Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayWay.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited. This guy, Adam, has so much energy. I actually met Adam. I appeared on his podcast a few weeks ago. It's called The Million Pound Mission, and he really is on a mission to help people collectively lose one million pounds, which he's going to tell us about. And he's just super passionate, and I fell in love with him as soon as I met him. And it's my honor to have Adam on the show. Welcome. Chantel, I am fired up. You brought it on my show, so I feel that pressure. I've got to bring that fire to the Chantel Ray way here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I know you lost a bunch of weight, which basically kick-started this whole mission. So tell us about this transformation and how you did it. Yeah, I about 12 years ago, I found myself in a place where I was in that rock bottom moment that a lot of us hit. And I remember I was, I was standing in a grocery store. I weighed 327 pounds and I had $40,000 with a credit card debt. Um, my relationships weren't going well that, you know, I'd, I'd kind of fallen in love and then this, this woman was moving away. So that was going bad. And then my career wasn't going the way that I wanted it. So that rock bottom moment hit me. And it was funny because I think my friends had kind of taken notice that I was, I was kind of becoming what I now call a crap magnet. I was like, I was drawing in all those like negative things, you know, and they kept on like sliding across like Tony Robbins books and, and uh, yeah, personal growth stuff. And I'd be like, I don't need that. Um, I didn't read much else besides like the sports illustrated swimsuit edition. Uh, so but then one of my friends lent me a DVD called the secret the, about the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And I dusted that sucker off after it sat on my DVD player for a couple of weeks and I put, I put it in and it just lit me up. I was like, I mean, it was my first taste of personal growth, personal development material. And I watched it like three times in a row. And then that night I sat down and I mapped out exactly what I wanted my mm-hmm. life to look like five years from that date. So that was July 12, 2007. And I made a game plan for the next five years, July 12th, 2012. 
who I would be, how I would be living and who I'd be connected with. So that's where it all kicked off. And one of my goals is obviously to lose weight. Now, initially, um, you know, uh, as a, what I, what I refer to as a PhD, a previously heavy dude, I'm wearing my PhD hat for you also. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, weighing 327 pounds, I've talked to other PhDs and they, we all think that if we just get under 300, we'll have abs. So that was my initial goal. I'm like, just get right. below 300 and you know, the dates are going to be flying in because I'm going to have abs. That didn't work out that way. So the goal adjusted over the five-year period. I ended up losing 100 pounds. But that night that I sat down, I mapped out my life. I created something that I call my lifestyle rehabilitation statement. And I took all my goals. I put a giant why and energy behind each goal. And then I took this statement and I read it every morning and every night for five years without fail. I never missed an AM or a PM reading out loud with energy and just having that, I call, you know, the law of attraction, you can't spell attraction without action. So if you apply action behind that positive thinking, that's when you can chip away every day and create daily momentum. And that's exactly what I did. So I was sweating every day. I was doing my affirmations every day. Uh, I was looking for connections with business every day. So I lost a hundred pounds in that five years. I got rid of all my debt, you know, zero credit card debt after that. Uh, I ended up uh, getting married, starting a family. I started helping other people lose weight this boot camp kind of formed because people saw me transforming my body and my life. Like, Hey, can you help me? I got 13 friends together. I rented some space from a local martial arts studio. I'm like, let's do this boot camp thing. sounds like a good idea. They ended up losing over 300 pounds in eight weeks. And they're like, when's the next one? So I did another one and 50 people showed up and I did another one and a hundred people showed up. So over that five year time span, I helped my hometown lose 35,000 pounds which is wow. insane. 15 people lost over hundred pounds, including myself. And it just started steamrolling, but it was just very basic stuff. When you talk about the transformation, it was positive thinking. It was always staying plugged in, chipping away, not putting that pressure on myself to solve everything and lose hundred pounds in one day. But I just, I would show up for my goals on a consistent basis. And I feel like that's something that uh, a lot of us can get better at. So, you know, one thing that I've realized <clears throat> is that, everyone is strong in a certain area of their life. And so what I mean by that is like, like no one tells me to get up and go to work every day. Like I'm just driven when it comes to work. I get here early, I leave late, I bust it out every single day. And that's just an area that I'm strong in. So I think some people struggle in that area. Like they aren't that disciplined in this area. And, and I think everyone's strong in one area of discipline and they might be weak in another area. Um, I know you wrote this book. It's called The Third Component um, where you just kind of share your amazing results formula. Tell us about the book. Yeah, yeah. first of all, uh, it's like the worst cover of a book ever. So I, I want to see it. Do you have it with you? I think, I think we're fresh, we're fresh out of books. <laughs> so I, I, it was, you know, the book and similarly with my podcast, like I just have all this energy inside of me. I have all this, this stuff that I need to get out. So I'm like, I'm writing a book. So I sat down uh, over a spring break and I wrote a book. It's like a hundred pager. And I was like, all right, I need some serious marketing behind this. So 
I look at, I look at my bookshelf. I'm like, what color do I not have on my bookshelf? Lime green. So I made it just all lime green, no pictures. And I'm like, that'll stand out on a bookshelf and people will buy it. Uh, so it, it's, it's just me kind of brain dumping for a hundred pages. But, uh, like you mentioned, I talk about my amazing results formula and one of my special superhuman powers is I like to name things and just, you know, things that, that somebody will remember, Ooh, an amazing results formula. What is that? So there are four components. Uh, and I feel like you can apply these four things to any nutritional style, to any fitness style, and you'll get better results. And that's something I'm big on is not going like, I'm a Weight Watchers guy, or I'm a keto guy, or I'm just the, the CrossFit guy. Like, I feel like we need to do the right tool for the right job, you know? And so with the amazing results formula, component number one is we have to be committed to a nutrition plan. And what I mean by that is for the next 28 days, I need you to kind of just be committed to one plan. Because what we do a lot of times is program hop, especially our podcast listeners. They, they, they listen to other podcasts and like, well, Chantel told me about intermittent fasting on this day. But then by Wednesday, I listened to Rich Roll and he said vegetarianism. So I switched to that and then they're, they're bouncing around and never giving yes. thing a chance to work. So you got to put a ring on the finger. Don't be dating around on your, on your other nutrition plans for 28 days and get committed. And let's just see how it works. So that's component number one, committed to nutrition. Component number two is same thing with exercise. Uh, I need you to know what your regimen is going to look like for the next 28 days. Maybe it's personal training three days a week. Maybe it's you walk at lunch uh, a couple days with friends, but what is that regimen going to be well, like? Consistency is key, right? Like exactly. That's, exactly. that's really it. Exactly. It's that random. You know, I own a fitness center and we charge people that, that sign up for classes and don't show up. And I have to do that because no one ever said, hooray, the alarm just went off at five in the morning. I'm going to do burpees. You know, like no one ever does that. So just showing up and, and being there, having that motivating factor to, to get your butt out of bed and, and get there, that's huge. So I think you uh, should write another, like another book and put that, what you have in the first one. But I really think you should call it the million pound mission because yeah. otherwise you kind of have two different brands going. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, I think that yeah. million pound mission is so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. The, uh, so the, the exercise component, that's the component number two. Component three is where, you know, that's what the book is about, the, the, uh, the strategic thinking. And that's where I kind of vary a little bit from the traditional fitness expert is I feel like, you know, if somebody, it doesn't matter if they have 100 pounds to lose or five pounds to lose, the pattern I see is what I refer to as the black hole of fitness doom. They, they start a new program, they get, some, they get some initial results, life happens, they're not ready for it, they crash and burn and go right back where they started and around and around and around they go. Every time they go through that cycle, they deplete the resources of time, money, effort, energy, but also hope and willpower. It gets harder mentally and physically. They start to beat themselves up. I can't do this. Maybe this is just me. And thinking strategically means we look at the life happens moment. So many times, and I'm sure you see this a lot with your listeners is like, well, Intermittent fasting didn't work for me or Weight Watchers didn't work for me. Maybe it didn't, but more often than not, it's that life circumstance. It's that vacation that you go on and then you don't show up at the gym for three months afterwards. That's the danger zone. That's thinking strategically and going, all right, how do I build a bridge over that hole in the road instead of just walking into it time after time after time? And if we can do that, then we can get better results from any program. So understanding what throws us off you know, as, as a primary focus point, 
And then the fourth component is doing the first three consistently over time. We show up for nutrition, we show up for exercise, we think strategically, solve those danger zones, it applies across the board, we'll get better results. Well, I think sometimes when people put it outside of, when you give them an example outside of weight loss because they have such an, a kind of like a debilitating wall when it comes to weight loss, but what you can say to people is like, let's pretend like an agent said, someone, we might have said to an agent, you know, if you want to be a successful real estate agent, you should come into the office every single day, kind of be ready, be dressed, and, and so forth. But the second piece of it is, is that you when you get to the office, you need to be picking up the phone and making calls to leads and prospects and working it. But what happens is people only hear, a lot of times people go, well, I'm, I was at the office every day for a week and didn't get this, that, and the other. Well, it's not just showing up to the office. It's also A, B, C, and D. And I think what happens with weight loss is people go, okay, well, intermittent fasting didn't work for me. And it's like, okay, that's true. But we also have a portion in there that says, even though I'm intermittent fasting, the Bible says, do not, you know, do not be gluttonous and don't overeat. So it's like, they'll do a piece of it but then they're overeating till they're blue in the face and going, well, that plan didn't work for me. And it's right. like, you can you can gain weight doing keto, you can gain weight doing intermittent fasting, you can gain weight doing all these if you're overeating. So you've got to nip that piece. They, they kind of take a piece of the puzzle, but they don't take the whole puzzle. Yep, yeah, it, it's huge. So before we get started on listener questions, we always like to ask, our guests, what does a day in the life look like for you? So like, you know, what did you eat yesterday? What did you do? You know, kind of what's your day look like eating wise and fitness wise? Yeah, I'm highly structured. Like I, I'm an implementation machine. I'm a structure machine. So I always take at least 10 minutes at the end of each day to map out the next day. Uh, I usually have everything mapped out kind of generally a week in advance and then from day to day, I hone in a little bit tighter. So typical day, like right now, I'm experimenting with uh, what I call uh, true hunger. So I only eat when I am truly hungry. And I'm just doing it as an experiment, like a low pressure thing, like let's learn about my body. And I like doing things like this. So uh, yesterday, and I'm within that, I'm, I'm doing some, uh, some ketogenic diet work. So I'm sticking to keto, and only when I'm hungry. So yesterday uh, I woke up and I was hungry. So uh, what did I, I had some uh, uh, oysters <laughs> and, I, and I really enjoyed drinking the so juice. you had I oysters for breakfast. Yeah. That is so disgusting. I don't like oysters, but definitely I don't like them for breakfast. I, I put it on my Instagram story of like the spoon coming towards my, my the camera and some uh. of you like, oh my God. Cause I, you know, I get up at uh, like between 3.45 and 4.30 a.m. usually because I'm just up and going. I wake up and I'm energized, ready to go. So uh, oysters, we had, uh, I love the keto bricks that my friend uh, Robert Sykes put out. I uh, did a little bit of keto brick and then I do like fish oil, my olive oil, I do what, shots. What is shots that? that? I haven't, I've not heard of the keto brick. What is Oh, it? it's awesome. So it has a perfect, it's a brick. Like a, you have to be careful going through like uh, TSA, like air, airport security with this because it looks like a block of like dynamite, like a like C4 or something. Wow. But it's, it's, but you just chop it up. It's perfect macronutrient uh, profile for keto. So it's like 75% fat, 
you know, and then the, I think there's like 5% carbs and the rest is protein. So the, um, it's a thousand calories. Does it taste good? Yeah, it's delicious. It's delicious. And you mm-hmm. can chop it up to whatever portion size you want. So it's a thousand calories. And if you want to do 250 portions, you just slice it into four pieces or, you know, I do 500 calorie slices and I just cut mm-hmm. it in half and eat it. So uh, I did one of those. And then um, we did, what did we do yesterday? We did the leg workout yesterday. So again, I own a fitness center and I head, head to the gym and get after it with uh, lots of deadlifts and squats and, and lunges and, and things like that. I hit the spin bike for a little bit for some cardio. And then in the evening, I had a nice little ribeye, some broccoli and put some butter over the top of it and a little bit of sea salt and it did me right. So that was uh, kind of my couple bigger meals uh, was all that I needed yesterday and I was good to go. That's awesome. Well, I love that that you say that. And I mean, that is really the premise of my book is all about how to figure out what true hunger really is, because that is truly, I I did a great interview with um, one of my thin eaters and posted it just recently. If you go to our Facebook page, you can see it. And the girl's name is Lindsay. And this is what she said. She said, you know, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm not hungry, I don't eat. It doesn't matter if it if it looks good or smells good or whatever. If I'm not physically hungry, why would I eat? You know, it's like, you know, everyone thinks it's rocket science, but for people who struggle with it, it really is. All right, let's jump right into the questions. Sean in Tampa. I've never had a problem with losing weight. I'm able to cut weight anytime I need to by modifying with diet and exercise. My problem has always been maintaining my weight. As soon as I hit my weight loss goals, I let the foot off my gas and it slowly gains it back. What advice do you have for me to help make my weight loss last? Sean in Tampa. I'm assuming this is a guy because... um, you know, I saw this really funny post on Facebook and it was, it was like about a guy and a girl and the differences in losing weight. And it was like, like the guy like cuts out one little snack and loses like 40 pounds. And the girl's like, I eat nothing but chicken and broccoli and lost one pound, you know, something like that, something funny, but I don't know if it's a girl or a guy or not. It doesn't say, but um, so what do you think about what he, what he or she is saying? I let my foot off the gas and just slowly gain it back. Yeah, I, I see this a lot. I actually, I just put out my 200th episode and I talked about the eight stages of gaining it all back. Uh, so that's, that's perfect for, for this, this sort of a topic. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody, again, that loses 100 pounds or somebody that gains and loses 10 pounds. What it breaks down to me, the determining factor, whether we actually achieve a goal or maintain a goal is the balance of why versus why not. So we've got our goal. Let's say that Sean, you know, set a goal to lose 10 pounds. Uh, the why, the size of, of his why to achieve that goal, the why behind it has to be larger than the combined force of all the why nots. So the why nots are just starting to win where maybe he's bored with the diet. Maybe he's sick of working out. Maybe he can't afford it. You know, although uh, you know, my schedule, the kid's schedule, you know, things like that, work schedule, work shift changes, all those why nots start to add up and we start uh, deprioritizing our fitness goal and it just gets smaller and smaller. And then 
we gain it back. So uh, that's something where you have to kind of level up your why or delete some of those why nots and get, maybe get more efficient, get a different work schedule, increase your financial position, you know, things like that. But that's the balance that if you have ever achieved a goal and, and backslid, that's, you know, look at that relationship of the why behind the goal versus all the why nots attacking you at once and think about that. And that's something that you can usually, again, level up that why and it'll make a huge, huge difference. And I also think that deprivation has a lot to do with it. And so, like, for example, I just went to Miami for two days with my husband in um, for our anniversary. And when I ate there, I ate so clean, cleaner than I eat when I'm at home. But I ate the most amazing food. And so... Um, I think the main thing is getting this idea out of your mind of depriving because anytime you feel like you're depriving, the next move is going to be a binge. So, so now like, like if I want a burger, I eat a burger, but I don't do it with a bun and I have it wrapped in lettuce and I don't put cheese, but only because I don't feel good when I have dairy and when I have gluten. I know that for my body only... I can't have it. Um, but, but if someone's in perfect health, I would say, you know, go ahead and have the, the burger with the bun and, you know, eat half of it. But it's getting rid of this idea of the deprivation because that deprivation is what usually ends to the binge. And you want to get rid of that, that deprivation mentality that you just go, this is what I want. My body's craving this. I'm going to eat it when I'm hungry. I'm going to stop when I'm full. And I have to know myself that I am going to, like for me, I'm, I have to constantly say to myself, I'm not depriving myself when I'm not having gluten and I'm not having dairy because I know how I'm going to feel when I, after I have it, I'm going to feel terrible. Why would I want to feel terrible? All right, Jerry in Harrisonburg. I've been trying to be more mindful of my sugar consumption and apply the two bite rule, not having more than three bites of anything super wheat, super sweet. I want to know if I should be applying the same rule to fruit. It seems like everyone is so divided on this topic. Some people say I should eat as many fruits and vegetables as I crave, while others say I need to eliminate or severely limit my fruit intake. What's your opinion on this? Jerry in Harrisonburg. With that, you know, being a PhD, a previously heavy dude, like one of the reasons I was heavy is I had trigger foods. And some of those were quote unquote healthy foods like yogurt or bananas. Like I could eat as many bananas as you put in front of me, you know, and that's calories, that's sugar that adds up. Those, those are carbs. Uh, the yogurt, I used to get like the little six pack of yogurt and that would be I'd be like, there's one spoonful, there's another spoonful, <laughs> and just, just go, you know, I could put them down. So, uh, so and then once you start doing that, we get in our head of, well, kind of the floodgates are open, might as well yes. go on now. So I feel even like healthy foods, we have to be careful of what's the trigger food and then how does that open the floodgates to more calories? Because we say, well, I've already blown it, might as well just yeah, have it out now. So uh, I feel like that's something that whether it's sugar or not, just kind of do an assessment of is this a trigger food that ends up leading to more of a, a binge type situation? And that's more important versus whether it's, it's fruit or veggies or whatever. So 
uh, that would be my, my, my recommendation there for Jerry and Harrisburg. Yeah. And I would say for me, I mean, I don't limit my fruit. If I want fruit, I have it. Um, I do try to make sure that I'm not eating too much of it. I do think that certain people when they're, cause fruit still brings your blood sugar up. And once your blood sugar gets up too high, that's what happens. You just want to keep it kind of going. So I definitely think I look at how much I don't, I wouldn't say I like limit it, but I just kind of make a conscious effort. I'm not going to eat too much of it, but if I really want it, you know, I have it. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. All right, this one's from Anonymous. In your book, you talk about not depriving yourself of the foods that you love and how you allow yourself to eat what you're craving on occasion. My problem is that I can't stop once I start. If I'm craving chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A, just five won't do it. I will eat and eat 20 nuggets. For this reason, I rarely allow myself to indulge. I wish I could have just a couple nuggets, for example, and be satisfied. Do you have any tips to help me stop? I need to find the balance between deprivation and binging. Anonymous. All right. I've got a good tool for this. And it's okay. one, of my, one of my favorite things that seems to work for almost everybody that implements it. I call it my cheat bank strategy. All right. So it's like a bank account. And we say at the beginning of the month, I say, all right, and I, I love it like a 28-day cycle, a four-week cycle. That's how I have my clients kind of think. Just four weeks in advance, let's map things out. We look at those four weeks and we say, all right, when am I going to take cheat meals where I, I break protocol? So I go off Weight Watchers or I have a little bit of ice cream that's, that's not gluten-free or whatever. Uh, and they're meals, not days. So like, let's say somebody puts five cheat meals in their cheat bank. All right, and they go through that 28-day cycle, but they go, okay, on this date, I'm doing a date night. And then I'm doing, uh, you know, my kid's birthday. Then I've got a work thing. Then I've got a little bit of vacation. And I'm going to save one for break the glass in case of emergency cheat. Uh, so what that does is it causes us to take ownership of the situation instead of in the moment, I'm craving something, I'm giving in, I'm crashing, I'm having this emotional moment. I'm sitting in, in my truck eating a bucket of KFC and crying. You know, that, that's like, that's the, raw, the opposite of what we want. So if you take control and say, I'm owning the situation, I'm not going off plan because this is a part of the plan. So I don't have to beat myself up about it. I'm going to have cake at my kid's birthday party or I'm going, and that way what, what anonymous is saying here is that it sounds like every once in a while they allow themselves just to go kind of buck wild. And in, in the cheat bank mindset, you are in control and you're, you're choosing when to do it. So it's not just like, I better, you know, do the, like the jailbreak quick sprint and get as much down as I can. It's a part of it's integrated into your lifestyle. And this is where I like to help people find balance between being healthy and still having a lifestyle that they enjoy because I'm sure you've seen it too. Like you get people going at the beginning and you have to really make some big lifestyle changes and they come back at you and like, Chantel, I can't, I can't maintain this. You know, this is, this is too hard on my lifestyle. It's too big of a change. And what I say is good. I don't expect you to maintain this, but right now we're just shifting your momentum. And to, in, to, in order to do that, we have to make some big sacrifices now but we use tools like the cheat bank to find that nice balance because we go through a 28 day period. If we put five cheat meals in the cheat bank, 
and we still lose seven pounds. And we're like, cool, I can get away with that. And I felt good. Maybe I can add a sixth and let's see what happens there. And we take that experimental mindset to the next 28 day cycle. And maybe we maintain weight and we're like, cool, I've got a recipe and a formula I can use to maintain my weight and still be happy and not beat myself up about going off plan, uh, which most people do, including our friend Anonymous. Yeah. And my thing is, is I would say like, if, first of all, if she, uh, he or she says that five chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A won't do it. What I would say is, if I if that's what I was craving, I really wanted Chick-fil-A, I would go there. I would get the five nuggets um, and I would take them to go and then take them home, slowly eat those nuggets. And then there's no chance for you to eat 20 nuggets because you're not at Chick-fil-A anymore. Because <laughs> if you eat those five. Um, but again, the biggest thing is, is that if you constantly say to yourself, I can have the Chick-fil-A nuggets, but there's two guidelines. Number one, I can only have those Chick-fil-A nuggets when I'm truly hungry. Not because I'm stressed, not because I'm upset, not because I'm angry, because my body is physically hungry, my stomach's growling, I want some food. And number two, I may not at any time overeat. And those two principles following those two then have the Chick-fil-A nuggets, but just take the five home until you get to the place where that's not, you know, it's that changing of the mindset like you're talking about. Okay, I'm going to have the five and, and be done with it. Yep. All right, Heather in Chesapeake. I've been doing intermittent fasting and steadily losing weight for almost a year now. I am super close to my goal weight during this year and I really haven't done much exercise. But now I'm starting to work out consistently. The problem is now I'm not losing as much weight and I think I'm gaining muscle from my workouts. Do you think this is a case? I always remember hearing that muscle weighs more than fat. Is this really true? And when will I start seeing the scale drop again? Heather in yeah. Chesapeake. Yeah, Heather, you're actually in, in an awesome situation. So you've seen steady results. Uh, I love the fact also that you're adding in uh, one variable at a time. I feel like people kind of, you know, if you imagine like Robin Hood pulling all of his arrows out at once and trying to fire them all at once, we don't know which one was the most effective arrow. So I like that you are dripping that exercise in. That's a new variable. Now your body's responding. So uh, you are most likely adding lean muscle tissue, which is amazing. So here, here's a scenario, Heather. In Chesapeake, Chesapeake, is that how you say it? Chesapeake? Yes, Chesapeake. See, my, my Indiana came out, Chesapeake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chesapeake. Uh, so, Heather, um, what if I told you, if we were going to sit down, I'm like, Heather, here's the deal. In the next month, you're going to drop five pounds of pure body fat. And also, you're going to add five pounds of pure, lean, beautiful muscle. You'd be psyched about that, right? Yes, everyone would be psyched about that. And then, until we get on the scale, and the scale says zero, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to realize what's actually happening, what's most likely happening. If you're getting sore also, there's gonna be some water retention and things like that, but your body is going to regulate. So it's not like strength training is making you gain body fat. We know that's a fact. Like, you know, unless you're eating donuts after, after every workout or something like that. Uh, so what I, would, what I would recommend is let's give it some time. Let's go through a 28-day cycle, maybe a couple of them. Don't change anything. I almost guarantee your body, the way you look in the mirror, 
is going to start looking different. The way your clothes fit is going to start to be different. You're going to notice some awesome improvements there. And then you're like, your cardio sessions are going to be better because you have better overall endurance, better strength. You, like if you do like boot camp classes or something, you'd be like, I can do full pushups now instead of knee pushups. And the overall quality of your workouts can get better across the board. And that body fat's going to start dropping right away too. Yeah, I agree 100%. And the only other thing that I would say, see, I'm like a real like muscle bound girl. Like if I wanted to, I could join one of those, you know, those weightlifter competitions. I could totally do that. I'm such a like, I could go to the gym for like three days you know, and just like really pack on muscle. I'm just, my body's built that way. Um, so for me, when I'm doing the, the working out with the weights, the one thing that really helps me kind of balance that is to take walks. So like at night, when I take walks, every time like long, like three to four mile walks, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minute walks, it really helps kind of help me lose that weight a little bit more still while building the muscle. So my only suggestion for you, Heather, is to add some of these hour long walks at night and power walk or adding some other kind of cardio, and you'll see a little bit of a difference there. But again, what would you rather be, 140 pounds of you know chiseled muscle or 140 pounds of just fat? So, all right, Angela in McKinney, Texas. On my journey to cut back sugar, I've come across some sugar substitutes that I really like. My favorite one is Swerve. I know that aspartame is really horrible for you, but I'm wondering on your opinion on Swerve. What is your opinion on things like coconut sugar and monk fruit? As far as I'm concerned, like I, I've always been caught in the trap of like along my, my weight loss journey over the last 12 years, there's always that new sugar, sugar substitute that comes out. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to, this is great. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't spike insulin. And, and then like a year later, like gives you cancer. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> fooled again. Uh, yes. So I get nervous. I give it time. Like anything that just brand new comes out. I'm like, I'm not putting this in my body for at least six months. I'm going to let, you know, mm -hmm. the things happen and see what really comes out. Uh, but I've heard really good things about Swerve. A lot of people in the keto community are really on board with this. I actually just got connected with, uh, the owner of the company and, and they're going to come on and the show and I'm going to do an interview with them. So, um, so I'm interested to dive a little bit deeper on that. I don't know a whole lot about it, but you know, coconut sugar uh, that, you know, any, any sugar from a, a real food source, I feel like that's gotta be way, way better than all the synthetic stuff that ends up uh, making us grow like two heads and stuff like that. So, you know, I would, I would avoid the, the artificial stuff. Yeah. And I agree. I feel like, um, I have heard good things about Swerve. Um, you know, my first choice, I do love coconut sugar just because I feel like it's so natural. Um, but so you know, one of the things that, that Swerve is made from is, how do you say, erythritol? But erythritol, yeah. And it's made from fermenting glucose. And it's done in like literally like brewery tanks. And it's similar to the way that like beer and wine are made. And, um, but the, the, the nice thing about it is, is that it has zero calories. Like, um, so it's calorie free, it's sugar free. Um, it's supposed to not raise your, you know, blood sugar. It has zero net carbs. It's supposed to be certified non-GMO and uh, non-glycemic. 
um, which means it doesn't raise your blood sugar. So, and it's supposed to like bake the same way. So I've heard great things, but I kind of agree with you. It's like everyone says, oh, it's so great, so great. And the next thing you know, uh, you're not sure. So I've, I'm kind of, I don't have a final opinion on it as of yet, but I feel like coconut sugar, I can, it, even though it's going to raise your blood sugar, um, at least it's natural, you know? Yeah. All right. Lauren in Chesapeake. I have a bunch of friends doing the whole 30 this month and are posting all about it. I'm shocked how things like potatoes and corn are encouraged in this plan and appear to be unlimited. I know that these things have a lot of carbs in them and even corn is really closer to being a grain than a vegetable. If these things are prepared naturally, obviously not deep fried, LOL, should I be concerned with my intake? Also, what is your opinion of Whole30? Um, that's an interesting question. It kind of depends what your goal of doing whole 30 is. If the goal is to be grain free versus the goal of like losing weight, you know, th- there's going to be different opinions on this. So if you just want to get rid of grains and, and processed foods, then adding things in like the potatoes and, and the, the corn, you know, those are corn, but but she's making a mistake because corn isn't allowed on Whole30. Potatoes, yeah, potatoes are, um, but no, there's no grains on it, and fresh or cooked corn is still a grain, and no grains are allowed on Whole30. So that's actually a mistake. Um, and there's lots of people who have corn allergies, um, or at least a corn intolerance. So. That's not what she says about potatoes is true, um, but not corn. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of sweet potatoes. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll cook those up. My kids will eat them, you know, so that's uh, but the thing is, again, it's is your if your goal is weight loss, if you eat 12 sweet potatoes every day, your insulin's gonna be spiked all day long. And, and you know, that's not gonna be a good thing. So mm-hmm. then I would do those in moderation. But if you're just doing it just to kind of do the detox, whole 30 grain free type thing. Uh, get rid of a lot of those sugar cravings, you know, it'll probably be okay to have a few potatoes in there. Yeah. I, I am a big fan of whole 30. Uh, I, that's really how I live. My diet is just mostly fresh. It's vegetables, fruit, and lean meats and, and grains. Unfortunately, I don't feel good. Um, when I eat them, there's only one grain that I actually feel good with and that's quinoa. I can eat quinoa and still feel fine, um, but I'm a big fan of it. And potatoes, when I eat a potato, there's like a sweet potato. There is so much nutritional value in a sweet potato. It's not even funny. I feel like there, like there's so much potassium. I feel like ah when I when I eat one. So I'm a big fan. But I agree, it should be definitely in moderation. All right, pair. Before we get to the next one, I have a, a, a funny side note. Uh, I called quinoa quinoa until about five years ago. <laughs> I know. I love it. It's really good. <laughs> Paris in Northern Virginia. I want to get your opinion on cheat meals. I seem to get mixed reviews. 
Some people tell me they are awesome to give a little shock to your metabolism and help satisfy whatever you're craving. And some people tell me that they're not good. What do you think? My personal issue with cheat meals tends to be that they can often turn into a cheat day, then a cheat weekend, LOL. Yeah, I think the cheat bank philosophy, again, is a, is a great implementer here. Uh, tracking and owning. And because what happens a lot of times with cheat meals or cheat days is people aren't tracking them. They're like, well, cheat day, messed up. And then it's, there's no consequence. So I like changing the conversation. So for example, if you have your four cheat meals for the week, uh, for the month booked out in advance, and then somebody brings pizza to work, there's a different conversation inside of your head. It's not, whoops, I messed up. I had pizza. It's okay. My cheat bank is, is booked out. My balance is four out of four meals. I cannot go now. I cannot cheat at my son's birthday party or not take my wife out on that date night, or I can have pizza. That's the balance. I have to make that decision. I have to think about this. Uh, so that changes the whole game and the whole mindset around this where I can, I can do the pizza, but there's a trade out. And that's the important thing. There are consequences to our decisions uh, and not just, whoops, I messed up or whoops, it was a cheat weekend. And one of my favorite things, you know, we just, we're in January as we talk here, but uh, we just got through the holiday season. I have to remind people, I'm like, it's called a holiday, not a hollow week, people. So, <laughs> you know, we don't have to have Thanksgiving every day of, of the month in November. So uh, I feel you on the cheat day turn or the cheat meal, the cheat day, the cheat weekend, the cheat month situation that that's easy to steamroll. I think what it is, is I don't like the word cheat. And so one of the things that I feel like I've, you know, after interviewing literally, you know, I'm still interviewing people and now I'm putting them on video and I interview people like, you know, that have been thin their whole life. They don't have an issue with food. They don't even, there's not a word. They never say like a cheat meal. They go, if I want it, I have it. But, but even though they also understand that it's like a bank account. They're like, well, if I really, really, really want it, I'll have it today, but I'm not having it every day. I might have, but but they don't use that. There's never that terminology because in their mind, they really look at it just like shopping. And so like, if you if you have a healthy relationship with shopping, if I went shopping on Saturday and I got myself a new pair of pants, that doesn't mean that Sunday I'm going out shopping and buying new pants and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like I might go on the weekend and I might have it, but they have a different relationship and they don't use the word cheat. They, in their mind, they go, you know what? I really want this. I'm going to have this today, but I'm not having it every day. So they just, it's that mindset change of even how they're saying that to themselves and if you listen to it it's amazing because as I've listened to all these women you can you listen to their mindset over and over again and and to even guys and you hear how they're talking to themselves and what they're saying in their mind it's changing the relationship you have with the food the food doesn't control you anymore. If you want it, you can have it. If you don't, it's it's the same relationship I have with alcohol. We have a bar, a huge bar inside my house. 
and it has every alcohol, every wine, every whatever. But if I want it, I can have it. But if I don't, I can put it away. And as you start shifting your mindset, it it just changes and it's no longer that cheat. Okay, Courtney in Florida. I love intermittent fasting. I've been eating from 12 to 6 every single day. I've lost 20 pounds in three months. Congratulations, Courtney. The weight was coming off steadily, but now it's starting to stall. The one thing I do enjoy during my fasting hours is a sugar-free coffee syrup. I assumed it was fine since there was no sugar and very few calories, but I've been reading up a little on how sometimes these artificial sugars can trick the body into believing they are real sugar and causing the insulin to rise. Should I completely avoid this while I'm on the fast? I love having this every morning. It really helps me power through the fast. I would say you're thinking along the right lines. And what I would do is just do an experiment, you know, do it, do give it 20, you know, you probably don't even have to do 28 days, maybe give it two weeks, just take it out and let's see what happens. Cause maybe that's the thing that's causing this. Maybe it's not, but the only way we do, we figure that out is let's, let's not change any other variables also though. So don't change that and then add a new workout or, you know, so we just take that one variable out. Um, and then maybe that changes things. Maybe it doesn't, maybe, nothing happens. So we know, okay, that's not the issue. We can put that back in there and we're cool. Uh, but that's, I mean, I think that's the, the most, uh, obvious answer that I'm, I'm coming up with is let's experiment with it. Let's take it out for a couple of weeks and let's see what really happens. Yeah. I agree with that advice too. And I would say as I've been interviewing people, I feel like a good portion of them can still have like a sugar-free coffee syrup or something like that in the morning. And it does not, affect their weight loss at all. There's a couple people that them removing it did make a difference, but I would say the majority of it, it did not make a difference. And and I think that this is a lot about your blood sugar levels, um, that that, you know, everyone's blood sugar levels are different. And so you can, my suggestion is the same, is to try to, to remove it. But if I had to guess, that's probably not what's causing it, but I have seen it in a few people who've made that change and it has made a difference. My suggestion is to really try to, on your other meals, to just really focus on eating less. Keep that window, but just taking your portion size and just going, let me push the food away a, sooner than I normally would and just stop eating right before you're full is my suggestion. All right. Well, if thank you so much for coming on the show. You were amazing as always. Um, but tell us if someone wants to, do you do coaching or what would be their next step if someone wanted to kind of learn more about you, Adam? Yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me, Chantel. I mean, I know what a big deal it is to share a platform as a podcaster, so I really appreciate it. Um, the tip of the spear to get in touch with me is just millionpoundmission.com. That's the best place to go. Um, and the cool thing is uh, we're actually tracking the million pounds. People can go on there and donate their weight loss. So if they hear this conversation and they do something and like, I implemented that tip and I lost two pounds, go on millionpoundmission.com. You can donate your weight loss and you see the ticker go up. There's no opt-in. I don't need an email address, nothing. Um, and it just goes there and you can, you can donate your weight loss. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but I do coaching. I, I have some online communities. Uh, one of the things I love to do most is connect 
with people and just create clarity. I deal with a lot of people that are beaten up by that black hole fitness doom scenario, that weight loss regain. And I love to just say, Hey, let's shine a light on this and, and let's provide some clarity and to see their spark return in their eyes. There's no, there's no compensation better uh, than that. I know that you feel the same way Chantel about all the people that you've been able to help. So uh, yeah, connect, hit me up on Instagram, million pound mission. I love to connect there too. So uh, if I can help out in any way, I'd be glad to. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayway.com. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at ChantelRayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability, as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.